once you make the jump, then you have to commit yourself 100%. Uh, don't look back and, you know, don't ever doubt yourself and just com completely focus on what's in front of you and eventually things will kind of come together and piece together. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here today with Joe Wang. Joe is the co-founder of two companies, Opus International and Encore Labs. Opus is in Brea, California, and Encore Labs is in Pasadena. I'll have Joe talk a little bit more about both those companies, but uh, Opus International is his first entrepreneur effort. He got started with that company in 2013. It's an import-export business, mainly specializing in wellness space. They uh, import products from South Korea, Taiwan, and Germany and sell them B2B and B2C on e-commerce channels. And then the other company he'll be talking about is Encore Labs, which he started in 2017. It's a licensed cannabis testing lab that offers full panel testing services for marijuana, CBD, and hemp products that are required by law prior to the sale to dispensaries and to the public. And by the way, there's only one of 30 licensed labs in California. So interesting to talk to you, Joe, about those two companies. Welcome to uh, My Company Story. Thank you, Don. It's a pleasure being here today. So, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you uh, first got into uh, starting Opus International and then what that company is about. And then we'll talk about Encore Labs after that. Sure, sure. So a little backstory about uh, myself. Um, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur growing up since, you know, middle school, high school, actually, I always had to itch. And um, back in college, this was around 2008, 2009, um, when the, the financial crisis hit, um, a lot of um, students, they couldn't find jobs. Um, graduates couldn't find jobs either. And I was around like a third year around that time. And my idea was to start a staffing agency for college students. And this was but while I, you were in college, Joe? This is while I was in college. So I had like the, the framework. I, I did the website and I did everything. But I just didn't have like that business experience yet because I was still kind of uh, green and fresh. Um, so I didn't know what to do after that you know, website, I had like the flyers ready. Um, so I applied for jobs. And then I, I worked a year at Booz Allen Hamilton as a defense consultant. And then a year later, I switched jobs because I wanted a more fast paced environment. So I worked as a headhunter for a boutique recruiting agency. And that was all and before then, you started Opus then, right? Yeah, so that was all before I started Opus. And then from from there, I kind of learned like sales. I learned how like, you know, within those two years, how like business operations worked. And then I still on the back of my head was still thinking about starting my own business. And then my business partner now, he actually contacted me um, while I was at my second job. He asked me if I wanted to, you know, start something together. And then I thought it was like perfect timing. So you know, I was young back then, 23 years old, nothing to lose. So I quit my job and I was like, all right, let's, let's do something. Right. And so what we ended up doing was we went to um, 
China for a trade show. It's called the Canton Fair. It's actually one of the largest trade shows in the world. It's like six weeks of trade shows. Um, it's like three, four times the size of CES. So we walked through the trade show for a week, um, hundreds of companies, hundreds of products, and we couldn't find one product that we liked. And then the last day we were walking through the international pavilion section and there was, um, there was like a strange smell, but it was like a very unique, nice lemony smell. And I talked to my partner, I was like, what's that smell coming from? Coming from? And he's like, oh, it's actually from over there. It's one of the booths. And I noticed, I walked over there, it was actually a shower head that had um, aromatherapy coming from it. And it's actually one of the first products I brought in. So it's a luxury shower head with vitamin C and aromatherapy. Um, and we sell these products to like Ritz Carlton, Four Seasons, luxury hotels, luxury spas, uh, good for your hair, good for your skin. So that was kind of like my first start. Wow, that's fantastic, Joe. So let me let me see if I get this right. So you you and your co-founder, you guys really didn't know what products or what you'd be doing, but you kind of took a flyer and went over to this trade show in China, walked around for a few days, smelled this wonderful scent, went over to the manufacturer, and then signed a contract to, to was it to represent his products in the U.S. Or then tell me how that business got formed from that one product. Right. So. We had the business already formed, but I guess we didn't have any products. So what we did was as, as um, naive young entrepreneurs, you know, we just got excited about those products and we just placed an order right then and there. We ordered around like $40,000 worth of products. Wow. Looking back at it at that time, it was probably a better idea to order less so we can save more on marketing. But I guess it's because we were antsy and we just wanted to commit to something. And so did you have more than the one product uh, after a, a short period of time? Or, or did you just go to market with that one showerhead right away? So we went to market with that for about two to three years because we committed a lot of money and marketing and effort to it. Because, you know, forty fifty thousand is is not a lot, but it's also not a, lo- not a little too. Because you also right. have to factor in, you know, marketing expenses, um, rent and you know their operational costs so it's just forty fifty thousand dollars worth of inventory so joe let's fast forward to today then uh how many uh how many products is uh, opus international uh, selling now and then i'd like to talk a little bit about why you started encore labs sure so opus international right now we have about three different product categories uh the shower head has itself we increased the sku to SKU line has over 25 products in it. Um, we also sell a uh, German skincare line and that has over 200 products in our product category. And then we also sell air purifiers and other small like bonus products. So all in all, we have over, you know, total like 300, 400 products in our, in our company. Wow, that's fantastic, Joe. So you've grown from just one to 400 in just uh, seven years or so. And uh, that's a, a thriving company right now on its own. So tell me, why did you, uh, I, you didn't leave that company. I'd like to talk a little bit about how you're managing two companies, but what was the thought process behind then starting Encore Labs? Sure. So when cannabis was legalized in, or it's legalized in California for recreational use in 2016, that's when I wanted to get into the industry because number one, I have a passion for cannabis. And number two, I thought it'd be a good idea to capitalize on the uh, market since I already have an import export company. I was initially thinking about importing products overseas 
to sell to the cannabis space. For example, like LED grow lights, uh, grow tents, hydroponics. Uh, but I did some research. I found that the market was oversaturated. Um, so what I did was I ended up purchasing a like two, 300 page market book research report. I read through the whole thing and there was a 20, 30 page section on testing labs, which at the time there was only about you know five to seven labs in California, less than 60 labs in the whole nation and over 10,000 cultivators, manufacturers. So there was definitely a demand for testing, but not enough supply. Uh, so I jumped on opportunity, showed it to my business partner and then pitched the idea to another business partner. And, you know, same idea for the, I guess, same type of perspective for the first business. We just kind of took the idea and ran with it. So you, so you and your existing partners from Opus and one other guy, you, the three of you guys went in and, uh, and created Encore Labs with the intent of creating a testing lab. Is that, is that the idea? Yeah, that's correct. And how difficult was that then? I imagine it's pretty, I mean, laborious and, and, and complicated, isn't it, to, uh, to figure out how to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very challenging, but I would say it's um, a fun type of challenge, right? Because as an entrepreneur, you want these type of challenges to, you know, push you to think harder, um, to allow you to think on your feet, because you're used to doing things you're not, accustomed to as an entrepreneur. So it's your job to kind of figure things out and kind of get them done. Whether it's you make mistakes along the way or you just, you know, make the right choice in the very beginning to get you to where you want to be at. So so tell me, Joe, I mean, here I, I don't imagine you have a, is your background in, in science or chemistry or, or business or did you, how did you become a lab scientist all of a sudden? Or how did you know enough to even get down that, go down that road? So. I guess for me, I'm, I'm more of a businessman. So if I see an idea that I can capitalize on, then I can make it turn into fruition, right? A lot of my peers say that one of my best strengths is uh, turning idea into something on paper, right? Into something like tangible. So it's not really about what type of technical skills that I have, but it's about hiring the right people that can um, fill in the gaps that you may not know. So because I was a headhunter for, you know, a year, you know, I was able to understand and grasp some of the recruiting techniques that I learned over there. So I utilized my past experience to, you know, hire people smarter than, smarter than me in the technical aspect of how to run a lab while me and my other business partners handled the business side of things. Wow, that's fantastic, Joe. So, so I imagine, it, did it take a while for your lab to get uh, the certification it needed to uh, be in business? Yeah, definitely. I mean, since everything is new, it takes longer than how you would set it up if you ran a lab before, right? So even though I knew how to rec recruit the right people, the process itself is still a learning stage of who do I need to talk to, what type of uh, um, language do I need to speak them with before I get accustomed to what type of person I need to hire. So obviously there is some learning curve in the beginning, but once you kind of catch on that learning curve, then um, everything else is kind of rolls together and pieces, and pieces together. But I would say, you know, it took us about a year to plan everything and then another half a year to set it up and you know another half year to get everything rolling 
So like two years together to get the business finally like up and running to take customers. Got it. And right now you're up and running and taking customers. So what, what exactly does a testing lab do? I mean, what, what, how does that operate? How do you work? Sure. So we specialize in testing for cannabis. So to simplify things, like for example, if you were a tomato farmer and you wanted to sell your tomatoes to Whole Foods, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Whole Foods would say, hey, you know, before we accept your products, we need, a, we need something called a COA, which is called a certificate analysis, which mm-hmm. indicates that your product is safe, that the consumers can, you know, buy it before they bring it back home and eat it. And what the test includes is it makes sure that uh, tomatoes are clear of uh, pesticides, heavy metals, microbials, um, pretty much any contaminants and dirty stuff in a product. So same concept is applied for cannabis. Mm-hmm. So we ensure that there's no pesticides, there's no heavy metals, there's no microbials, there's no solvents, you know, there's nothing dirty in the cannabis flower or product before it's sold to the public. So you give a certification of the, uh, from the grower that says this grower's uh, product is good and you can, uh, you can count on it because you've done your testing on it. Now, do you have to test uh, every single leaf that goes into a dispensary or do you do samples of one out of a thousand and that, how does that work? So how it works is it depends on the batch size. So for example, if you were a cultivator and you had 10 different strains, right? We, so we have to test each strain per batch. So if your batch size is about five pounds, um, then we would take based on the batch size around eight grams every 10 pounds. Right? I see. So okay. we would send a driver out to your location, um, sample out and randomly select the bud, put it into a bag, weigh it, and then bring it back to our lab. And that's when we start the testing process. Got it. Interesting. That's great, Joe. And like you mentioned, there's only uh, one in 30 of these lives in California. So I imagine you found a, a sweet niche uh, in, within this industry, then, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's over 5,000 distributors and growers just in California alone. So there's definitely a lot of business out there. And not to mention, we can also do testing for hemp and CBD nationwide. Mm. So Fantastic. We, we, we not only service the cannabis industry, we also service CBD, which is also a growing industry and it's actually a larger industry than cannabis. So from your experience with the uh, work at the Headhunter Agency and then, and then starting Opus International and starting Encore Labs, what lessons have you learned with, uh, that you're applying to Encore Labs that you've uh, brought with you uh, from your experiences in the past? Uh, that's a good question. I would definitely say, you know, patience is one of the biggest lessons I learned because when you first start off as an entrepreneur, you know, you have that like itch to, to do a hundred things, a thousand things at once, but you know, great companies, they don't want to, it was not built in a day, right? It was built after like decades and decades of uh, work. So you have to be patient. You have to be willing to be diligent, um, willing to, you know, wake up early, work on the weekends and always be on call and ready because um, this is like the lifestyle and like the life you chose. So you don't just, you don't, my, my um, philosophy is, you don't, you're not a part-time entrepreneur. You're the full-time or you're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. Yes. For, you're, you're full-time with overtime, I believe. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, Joe, how did you um, manage to really to, to run and manage Opus as it was growing and you've got over 
400 products now with that company. And I mean, that sounds like a full-time job. And then you take on this other job of learning all about Encore Lab, all about the testing. And that takes a couple of years to do that. How did you do that? How did you balance your time and know how to be disciplined with, with your time management to do that? That's another good question. It all comes down to, you know, number one, time management, right? If you're able to manage your time well, successfully, then you can plan for the future. Um, there's this saying I say a lot to my employees. It's, you know, we, we have to work to be proactive and not reactive. So reactive in the sense of like, when you get an email, you respond to it. You're being reactive, right? When, when someone tells you what to do and you, you respond with the, you know, when you're assigned with a task, you're being reactive. But being proactive is, you know, once you're caught up with your um, emails, once you're caught up with all your assignments, then you kind of plan and strategize like, oh, what should I do next to kind of bring more efficiency to my job so I can prevent being reactive and just set up maybe automation or something that kind of uh, shortens my workload so I can work on something better and, you know, use, utilize my time um, smarter. Another thing too is, you know, the partners that I have, I'm blessed to have uh, my first partner, Cliff, at my first company. So he was able to help me split the task half-half. And without him, you know, it's definitely difficult. I'll say without any, you know, business partner for any entrepreneur, it's hard to scale when you don't have someone that is on the same uh, management level as you to kind of share the responsibility so you can, you know, focus on other tasks. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, uh, the team, right? The people you hire, once you train them, you instill trust in them and you're able to let go of some tasks and after you delegate, you don't have to micromanage. You don't have to, you know, check on every single detail because you already did it before. So you can kind of let go of certain tasks and focus on big picture stuff. Right. I hear you, Joe. I mean, this is so true. You, you, you hire the right people, you trust them, tell them what to do and then get out of their way. And then you have very competent, very trustworthy partners that have their skill sets that are different than yours and complement yours. And then it's a matter of, uh, of you being disciplined with your time and uh, getting the things that you have to do out of the way and then carving out enough time to work on the things that, that only you can do and that you want to do to move forward. Yeah, that's, that's completely true. And, you know, it's, the time is the only commodity that we can't buy, right? That's right. We just have a, a limited amount of time, of course, uh, in the day and in our lives. And what we do with it is our choice, hopefully, and, and make the most of it. Yeah, so it's the most precious commodity out there. And, you know, you have to learn how to, you know, work, work it to your advantage. Yeah, for sure. Joe, to other uh, entrepreneurs and or business owners that may be listening, uh, let's just say there's a, there's a young Joe Wang out there who's in college listening to us right now. And then there's uh, someone who's a peer of yours who's been in business for uh, you know, a dozen years or so and listening to this show. What would you say to those two people? Um, I would say, like, you know, number one, if you want to be an entrepreneur, um, definitely follow your dreams, follow your heart. Um, you don't have to make the jump like just yet. Like you can obviously learn some different skill sets and, and how you say this, learn some different skill sets and attributes, right? Because 
once you make the jump as an entrepreneur, you have a long journey ahead. Right? One of my mistakes in the beginning was I, I only had two years of experience before I became an entrepreneur. Uh, I should have saved up a little bit more money. Um, then I might have had more money for like marketing, other expenses, but you kind of learn it as you go. Uh, I would say once you make the jump, then you have to commit yourself 100%. Uh, don't look back and, you know, don't ever doubt yourself and just com completely focus on what's in front of you. And eventually things will kind of come together and piece together. That's great advice, Joe. Do you, um, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you that's listening to this show, uh, how would they do that? Uh, sure. They can send me an email. So you can email me at jwang, J-W-A-N-G, at Encore, E-N-C-O-R-E, dash labs, O-A-B-S dot com. That's great, Joe. And uh, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I think we've learned a lot of valuable lessons. And uh, I know that if there are any younger entrepreneurs or one of the entrepreneurs out there, they'll get a lot of value out of, out of what you've just talked about. And also a lot of guys can relate, I think, to what you've done, especially in the, I keep hearing over and over again, the time management skills, hiring the right people, choosing the right partners that fit with your needs. And you've really hit on some things that are, make for a, a true successful entrepreneur. So I want to thank you for being on the show and I wish you the best of luck going forward. Oh, thank you for your time, Don. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.